Hello, hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is your girl Mitzi, and this is Mitzi. Let's think about it. Today, we are thinking about introverts. Are, do you consider yourself an introvert? Well, I have a special guest today that is going to give his personal opinion about introverts and how he actually is helping individuals on that mission, you know? So, Ryan, why don't you go ahead and fully introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, I've been a coach for many years, so I, I'm a behavioral coach. I help a lot with transitions. So anybody who's going through a big life, sometimes scary life change, um, getting out of your comfort zone, I help a lot with that. Um, I used to take a lot of individual clients and now I work more with organizations. So I do a lot of uh, uh, training and development, um, leadership training, things like that, uh, but really understanding... Um, you know, how to break those habits and, and kind of move forward. So uh, working with introverts has always in intrigued me because I am a hardcore introvert. In fact, most of my clients would be like shocked that I am because I don't seem that way, but um, I, I have been such a big introvert my whole life. In fact, on scales like the Myers-Briggs, I was always like off the charts. I was <laughs> like a hundred percent literally on, on That's there. so funny. I, so I never really took that. I never took the the test. I never really, knew really. there was really of a test, but I just consider myself an introvert because people drain me. You know what I mean? Like after yes, time, yes. when I'm being around them, they drain me. Where like coming to myself and just being by myself or in my little zone and I, I like recharge and i love it i love spending more time with myself than i do being around a whole bunch of people <laughs> i'm the same way i'm the same way but you know i always scored higher than than a lot of my clients and um with introversion often comes like anxiety and um fear of public speaking and and nervousness and and all that and i had all that i had all that mm -hmm. um, oh my goodness that's, I that's the worst Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, uh, I help people kind of break free of that. Um, my anxiety was the worst. And I think growing up, it wasn't, um, now I think there are a lot more options for dealing with anxiety. Um, there's, you know, medications for those people who are interested in that route, or there's just things that you can do, uh, practice wise to, and, and with therapy and things to kind of break free of it. But, um, Growing up, I had nothing. I had no help with it. And it was so, so bad and affect my, affected my relationships, my self-esteem. Um, I was just known as kind of the quirky, quiet kind of guy. Yeah. And, um, and now I have no problem. I can get on a stage in front of 400 people and feel, feel just fine. So it was definitely a journey getting from that point to this point. Oh, I could only imagine just because when I first started I mean, just even having a job interview with like three people in the room, I had anxiety <laughs> and I started sweating and I even asked them, I was like, is it getting hot in here? Or is it just me? Like, <laughs> it gets really, really bad. I will always remember that as the worst interview in my life. I did not get the job. So if y'all uh, wondering, no, but that's it was one thing I do. I've yeah, done a lot of career coaching too, specifically with helping introverts with interviewing. And, um, I can always relate because I remember I did an interview once and, um, it was a, a virtual interview on, on camera okay. and the camera turns on and I see a boardroom with this long table. And this one guy was sitting at the very end of the table, just staring into my soul. And I, I was terrified. Yeah. But it, it got so bad for me. I, I would literally sweat through my shirt 
like I would look drenched. Like I took a shower um, <laughs> and it got so bad. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I got so bad. Like I had to like look for special shirts and stuff. Cause it got that, that is bad. So <laughs> funny. You're like, well, I'd rather buy a special shirt than to deal with the problem of my anxiety. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's the shirt's problem. It's weak. It can't handle the pressure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, I was worrying about it. Like, Oh God, I'm sweating. People can see I'm sweating. And then I, that would make me sweat more, you know? Yeah. So it, it was real bad, but um, yeah. And so that's helped me for sure. Working with clients um, really kind of break free of that. Cause I can always relate to them. Oh, that's good though. Because I feel that when somebody can be able to relate to the situation, it makes it so much more easy and more comfortable because everything that you're saying I've experienced in one way or another, like I even gone to like festivals, you know, or um, 4th of July in big places where they, you know, where they have crowds of people and, I was in Chicago and there's an AVP. I don't know if you know the area or not, but um, there's a, always tons of people there. And the way that the police officers guide traffic after it's done, it's too long for me. I was all the way at the other end where the fireworks were at and I needed to get like four blocks towards my car. And so I grabbed the person's hand and I just pushed people out of the way. I was like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. And by the time we were done, it was so fast that the other person was like, how did we get out of there? And I'm like, I can't, I can't be around so many people. It drives me crazy to even think about like, like <laughs> I just can't. Yeah. I think there's a, a misconception about introverts that we're all shy and, and, you know, yeah, I've been shy before, but I, I think it it's, um, we really just recharge our batteries a little bit differently. And, yeah. um, like I was invited to amusement park once and with three people, I did not know that well, well, turns out they're all extroverts, hardcore. And it was like 7am to 11pm in an amusement park. And I wasn't totally comfortable because I didn't know them that well. And I just felt like, the outcast, like, and I, I was struggling, struggling to, to make it. And it, it just, it just wasn't my thing. And it took me days to recover. Oh yeah. yeah I, oh yes. But when I have an event like that happening, I have to mentally prepare myself two days in advance. Like if I'm no, I'm going to like <laughs> the amusement park, I'm going to like, okay, I cannot do anything because I have to be functional that whole entire time. Because when I'm around extroverts, it like, ma they make me feel like I have to do more, you know what I mean? Or be more, or just, just put myself out there because they're so willing to put themselves out there. And sometimes it's like, once I put myself out there to a certain point, they can tell when my batteries go low because I go silent. Like I go shoo turtle mode. Me too, me too. The exact same. I'm sure a lot of people could relate to, but I, I just sort of hit a wall, I guess. And then they were asking me, you know, what's wrong. And, um, I just sort of my, I just looked blank, you know, like, yeah. but I, I was so far beyond my boundaries and th that's, it, it really did teach me. And I, and I help other with sort of those boundaries and, and knowing yourself and knowing what your limits are and being honest about that. And uh, what I've seen work for people in terms of overcoming it, you know, years of growing up, um, I always felt like there was something wrong with being introverted, right? Like uh, it was something I needed to fix. You know, extroverts never think something's wrong with them for being extroverted, but I always yeah. felt like I'm the quiet guy. I need to change something in my personality. There's something wrong with me. And I always wished I wasn't like that. Correct. Well, what changed for me, because there's so much self-help out there about here are the five steps to being your best you. And I just thought, you know, I follow this and suddenly I'm just like this yeah. extrovert with it. 
But once I owned it, once I said, you know what, not only is there nothing wrong with being introverted, but I love it. I love it. And I would never change it. A lot of the anxiety sort of lifted. And I have found that most introverts, there's a couple of key advantages being introvert. Number one, we often have a little bit better of a mental filter. So we, we have that, we, we have it in our head and um, we're introspective, um, mm-hmm. not suggesting that extroverts are not, but we mm-hmm. happen to be particularly introspective. Uh, a lot of introverts are great leaders because they're great listeners. And so once I really started to love it and prefer to be introverted, it's just not my thing going out in big crowds all the time. I need boundaries. Um, once you own it and, and you love it about yourself, a lot of the anxiety really does sort of disappear a little bit. Yeah, I agree. And I think, do you help that? Do you kind of, is that what you kind of help with then when you deal with more introverts in your organization now, since you went up from personal one-on-one to now an organizational standpoint, so you kind of are able to pinpoint all of the extroverts in the room and then all the introverts in the room. And then you kind of just side, I hate introverts. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It's going to be okay. (laughs) I, I can definitely tell who's introverted and extroverted. I, I work a lot with like the culture that um, I track a lot. Like I do things like track turnover and is there a cultural component to that? Um, I deal a lot with communication. Uh, no bad boss or bad leader thinks they're bad. Doesn't happen. They yeah. they all think it's someone else. So uh, I really help with those nuances of um helping organizations hire people, not roles and how to, to train for that. Yeah. Uh, I manage big projects for different companies as well. But uh, in terms of being an introvert, yeah, there's a little more to it than, than just owning it, but that's, that's a big piece. But uh, part of it is also just practice. Um, and one other thing I noticed is the, the internal dialogue for an introvert is sometimes a little bit different we always think the stakes are really high in every situation. So that's where the anxiety comes from, right? So if I say, you know, what if the worst that can happen isn't that bad? Like the stakes aren't as bad as we think. Like, so what? I had a bad interview, okay? Or are they going to arrest me, throw me in prison? Or like, what? Like it's not the worst. The worst that can happen is that that's what happens and you move on. And I've had bad interviews. I've had bad meetings. I've failed many times. You'll be okay. You know, and I think it's that, that internal dialogue that really helps. And I have noticed through all my clients that a lot of introverts and people with having anxiety a lot, they do have that internal dialogue that doesn't help. Yeah, so that's, that's a key true. as well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense what you're saying, because I was thinking about that. And sometimes I, I do make things more serious than what it has to be. And then I'm like, dang, why do I got to do this? <laughs> but I think I think just owning up to it and just realizing like, hey, this is just who you are. Accept it. Embrace it. But learn to respect yourself enough and put boundaries so that people can understand you too versus misunderstanding you because they don't understand why you need to recharge. You know, I think that's something that people don't, don't realize is, is that, and it makes perfect sense what you were saying. Thank you. And I was reading on your, um, on your website, you, you published a book. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, I was reading a little bit of it and was this based on a true story? <laughs> it's like, it, was it really based on a true story? So you really put your life in this book, right? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's all true. Oh, so if you don't mind for my audience that don't sure, know, sure. The, um, do you mind telling a little bit about your book? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the book is called a half known life and it's actually from a, a quote from Moby Dick is, is where the, the half known life uh, idea came from. And it's really stemming from the idea that we can't see ourselves. Uh, so, you know, I've had a lot of clients over the years, even like psychologists, military generals. And, wow. and w- when I had a psychologist, it was kind of like, I thought they were supposed to have it all figured out. They're, they're psychologists, right? But I realized that no matter how smart you are, you can't always see yourself. Like you can't see your own habits. Correct. And that's so true. So that's really what it's about. It's got a lot of that experience in it, but also um, I, I had two random cardiac arrests, which were um, just sort of, you know, very young at the time and no family history, always, you know, into wellness and fitness and all that, yeah. and still don't know, still don't know. And long story short, the closest, closest I can come to an understanding is that I have electrical problems. Okay. And I have a chronic condition now where I'm basically dizzy 24 hours a day. Oh, I've so seen it's world like constant now. vertigo. It's constant. Yeah. I mean, it's got varying degrees of it, but it's always sort of there. And again, I've seen, you know, all kinds of specialists. I have a pacemaker now. Um, but the thing with me is I have to have boundaries and I have to manage my own energy really, really well. Yeah. If I worry too much, because, you know, your brain, the, uh, you know, because I have electrical problems, you know, stress, lack of sleep, fatigue, all that stuff, it actually makes me physically sick. I'll start to feel lightheaded. I might black out, things like yeah. that. And so I have to have boundaries. And so that's something that will be in a shape real quick is if, if you have to. And, um, you know, I had a little PTSD from it too, because I was just walking along one day and just suddenly dropped dead. So anytime I feel funny and cause I'm busy all the time, I'm like, Oh my God, it's happening again. And, um, it's absolutely terrifying. I mean, I've been, uh, at work and been carted out on a gurney, you know, with paramedics before I've, um, I've had an incident in an airport once where I was walking through, I was by myself, oh. but, um, all that to say is, that dramatically changed my coaching sessions. You know, I'm, yeah, I, I ask, went like, back to alter? coaching. Oh, I was going to, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I was going to say, um, if it altered the way that you oh, yeah. projected out going forward, did you ended up, I mean, it seems like you ended up seeing life differently after that happened. Absolutely. And it's uh, the, the sessions, you know, I was listening to people's problems and they sound so differently. And that's why, you know, the book has talks a lot about, you know, we can't see ourselves. And, you know, a lot of us think, well, we know what's important. If you ask someone what's important to them, what their priorities are, they're going to tell you, oh, it's my family. Okay, go. I'm sorry. I don't know what happened there. No worries. No worries. Mm-hmm. You're good. Um, but it, it, it really, um, it, it really just totally transformed sessions. Right. So, um, yeah, it, it just transformed them. So it, uh, so when you, I know, I know that probably broke your concentration. Oh, I'm that's sorry. Okay. So to bring you back where you were at. So you said that once you were listening to their problems, it literally changed the way that you, you understood their problems and how you've seen their problems. So did you see it in a way where you've seen it as they were worrying about stuff that really weren't as important? I mean, were you really now seeing life in different degrees and different levels where now you were measuring stuff? 
as very important and versus not as important to just learn to let it go type of deal? I always felt like, um, again, like if you ask someone what's important, they'll tell you, but they don't reflect it. Like they don't reflect it in their daily life. They're usually Mm -hmm. stressed to the max. They're living life on a to-do list. And they always ask the magical questions. Well, what do I do to get out of that? And there's self-help all over the place, but most self-help treats symptoms and not causes. So like if I want to help a hoarder, I can teach them to get organized. I can clean their house. I can do all kinds of things for them, but they're going to hoard again in a week because we didn't treat the, the root cause. Yeah. So that's what the book is really about is really the exploration of, of it. And there's no, like, it's not like turning off a switch. It's not like um, I have a solution and tomorrow you wake up and, and suddenly you're living differently. But what I've seen is that in order to make an actual change, it's, it's usually something that's out of your comfort zone, unfamiliar, and most people can't see it. Most people can't see it. And hence the whole idea of the book about you can't see yourself really and exploring that. Yeah. Um, how many times I've had clients where they had an issue and I could see the solution right in front of them, but they, could, they, they couldn't see it. They couldn't see it. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, yeah, if you ask some, or if you, um, if you, this is the essence of coaching. If you see that someone has an issue and you have some suggestions for them, if you give them a list of 20 suggestions, they're going to give you 20 reasons why it won't work. Mm-hmm. They, they, cause they're, they're stuck in that. They, they can't see otherwise, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. That's nice how you were able to put that personal perspective into the book. I was really reading it and I didn't get that far because you jumped in, but <laughs> um, um, it really got me interested. I I'm, I didn't make it that far, but I am going to keep on reading for, I know you got 27 pages there and, and it already got me interested and I'm probably going to buy the book because it's, it's the point of what you're trying to emphasize is important, you know, and I think reaching out to other people so that they can give you an outsider's perspective is nice sometimes because like you said, we have blinders on, you know, we, we don't see everything that's causing, you know, the real issue and what the real solution is, you know, and like you said, we, we go around it, you know, we avoid it. We give excuses for it because in reality, we don't want our problems to be solved so simply that it gets resolved. You know, I think sometimes people just like the chaos of having a problem that once they don't have a problem anymore, they're like, what now do I fixate on? You know? So I totally understand what you're saying. And I think that's very important. And I thank you for putting that type of perspective out there because somebody needs to think about it, you know, <laughs> and um, go ahead. Yeah. you uh, you said something that was, it really resonated is people are uncomfortable being still, you know, they're, they're uncomfortable because, and, and that's not to get on a soapbox here, but that's social media and getting involved in TV and they get kind of sucked into things because, um, they're so used, they're, they've hardwired their brain to always be go, 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 go. Um, and often when people become still, they, most people who go through a, a trauma is required for people to reflect. In other words, you got in a car accident, it's like, whoa, that was close. I need to reevaluate my life. That was scary. Or maybe you lose a loved one. Or, um, but not that you need a trauma to change, but often people they become present in their life after a trauma, but they're very uncomfortable often 
um, being still alone with themselves, alone with themselves. Yeah, that's a better that's a better way to say. It. And it I think it's because it makes them confront things that they don't want to confront. So I feel like a lot of extroverts have that issue where they keep, they feel like they need to keep going and be around people and to do certain things and to always be on go. And like you said, they can't stay still. And I um, is that one thing that you basically help help them understand when you are facing extroverts versus the introverts? You kind of basically help them realize like focus, <laughs> take a second and sit down and breathe. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's not that being extroverts is is bad or anything. I I um I'm, I know a lot of great extroverts too, but I I don't get it because that's just not the way I'm wired, right? And so um I prefer more of a, a slower pace, more quiet. I, I need that time to recharge, and I'm better for it. And I so my advice to anyone who's an introvert is learn how you work best and and give yourself <clears throat> what you need. And I always tell people I, I get a lot of questions about um. Yeah, but I'm a people pleaser and I feel bad saying no or taking this on and I take on too much and things like that. But you are going to help people better and be a better person if you give yourself what you need. And if other people, other people aren't going to like it sometimes, they're not. But give them permission to not like it and just let it be okay. Let it be okay. I've had to turn some projects down. I've had to say no to people. And I was a people pleaser growing up. I had to do those things so I could be better. No one is going to look out for you like you. No one is because they're not you. Um, So I had to put my own health first and my own well-being first, and then I could help other people better. Then I could help other people better. But a lot of people I've worked with, they, they don't have that, you know, that boundary. Yeah, that makes sense. I think I think when people choose to want to accept that label, I'm a people pleaser. So I feel or I don't want to or I this, I think they're claiming something that they don't have to claim. You know what I mean? Because I feel like when you say that you're also going against one, your moral judgment and two, your own boundaries, you know, and it makes you not only a people pleaser, but you make it makes you seem very naive as well you know from my perspective and because I know I was like that at some point and that's how I felt you know I felt naive looking back because that's all I felt like I needed to do but in reality I didn't need to do that I didn't need to please every person or every everybody like I I realized it was worse off for me overextending myself giving false hope and false promises saying yes to everybody in reality I can barely even say yes to myself so I think that's important that people need to realize that we don't need to be this people pleasing individual when in reality we need to please ourselves you know how do we feel today can we manage this today can we do this today what can we have in our own control and once we do that we realize you know what life isn't that bad life isn't that stressful as we made it seem the stakes was high. <laughs> so that's true. And I was going to ask you for some advice, but you kind of already gave it away. <laughs> but do you have any more advice that you can possibly give myself or my audience? Yeah. Besides just, just own it. You know, it's not something that's going to happen like a light switch, but so what happens is, is you get in this cycle where, you know, you try something or you try to own it, or you try to love it about yourself and you don't, and then you beat yourself up for not 
getting it right. And it, it gets into this cycle, right? So my advice is treat yourself as if you, you're somebody you care about. Um, most of us treat ourselves way worse than we would treat our, our friends or family. Uh, and it, it does start with that dialogue. And, and once I decided that, you know, I, I think I'm just going to, uh, I'm going to like my introversion. And, and I actually really do. Um, I mean, I, I really do like it. And then, you know, again, a lot of that anxiety sort of, sort of disappears, but it's going to take some practice. And, and after a while, you know, uh, if you're not used to speaking in front of people, if you're not used to putting your, getting yourself out of your comfort zone, it is going to be scary at first. But let, then, then own that. Let that be okay. If your palms are sweaty, let that be okay. If you sweat through your shirt like I did, let it be okay. Um, there's, there's nothing. The moment you think there's something wrong with any of that, that's the problem. That there's something wrong with it. That's the problem. So just yeah. take yourself, however you know, however you are, and, and the anxiety will decrease. Awesome. Well, thank you for that, Ryan. I really do appreciate that. That's some great advice that you can give myself and the audience that's listening. It's, it's been a great conversation. I truly enjoyed my time with you. You made me laugh. haven't laughed with other people in a while. So I thank you for that flashback and memory lane. <laughs> my pleasure. Thanks and for having anybody, Yeah, of course. And if any of my audience would like to know more about Ryan, go check out my website, um, metsythinking.com. You'll find under special guest his photo and a link to his website. You can read his book, check it out. And you can check out everything about Ryan. You won't be disappointed. All righty, y'all. Till next time. Bye.